Hello and welcome to Search for Truth. This is program number 2126, which means we've been broadcasting for 40 years, 9 months and 1 week at the end of today's study. This is your 15-minute program of Bible teaching and hymn singing, so thanks for tuning in. The purpose of our present series of studies is that we might gain a greater sense or awareness of God. In short, to get to know God better. Holding on to our Christian faith can be difficult at times, and today's study intends to help us with this. Brian's called it Standing Firm, and here's Brian now. Thanks, John. I read about a missionary years ago in the jungles of New Guinea who wrote the following letter to his friends back home. Man, it is great to be in the thick of the fight, to draw the old devil's heaviest guns, to have him at you with depression and discouragement, slander, disease. He doesn't waste time on a lukewarm bunch. He hits good and hard when a fellow is hitting him. You can always measure the weight of your blow by the one you get back. When you're on your back with fever and at your last ounce of strength, when some of your converts backslide, when you learn that your most promising inquirers are only fooling, when your mail gets held up and some don't bother to answer your letters, is that the time to put on mourning? No, sir. That's the time to pull out the stops and shout hallelujah. The devil's getting it in the neck and hitting back. Heaven is leaning over the battlements and watching. Will he stick with it? As they see who is with us, as they see the unlimited reserves, the boundless resources, as they see the impossibility of failure, how disgusted and sad they must be when we run away. Glory to God, we're not going to run away, we're going to stand. That was a guy who was standing firm. And that's what I want to talk about now. The Apostle Paul seemed to love that little expression, to stand firm. Some Bible versions have him using it about ten times. He uses it to pass on the charge to stand firm in the knowledge of Christ by, for example, not yielding to false teachings. Stand firm. It's the language of the battle line. Many movies depict ancient warfare as involving people fighting in a chaotic fashion, relying on their wits and their skill with weapons to fight off a sequence of individual combatants. This may make for good cinema, but it's not really historically accurate and doesn't give us a true impression of what was meant by standing firm as a soldier. Most armies in Bible times were largely made up of unskilled conscripts, with a nucleus of a few trained soldiers that made up the king's bodyguard. However, as a result of the conscripts adding to the size of the formations, they still played an important part in the battle. Very few died in actual combat back then. The majority of casualties occurred when one side gave in to fear and tried to flee. This provoked a chase and the slaughter of those who were running away. Therefore, the role of a common soldier in an army wasn't to kill hundreds of the opposition, but to stand firm and not give in to fear, to keep panic from spreading through the whole army and putting everyone in danger. With that in mind, let's look at Paul's use of the command to stand firm. There's a lot bound up in that little word, stand. First of all, it means that we're going to come under attack and we mustn't be frightened. It means that we mustn't droop or slouch, being uncertain or half-hearted in the fight. No self-pity is allowed. 
It means that we are to be at our position and alert. It means that we don't give even a moment's thought to retreating. But let's think about why we're exploring this idea. Remember, we're in a series of studies about what it means to know God. There's a statement in the book of Daniel that says, the people who know their God will be strong and take action. Daniel 11:32. In other words, those who truly know God, even if they're faced with the most difficult circumstances against overwhelming odds, as the missionary in our opening anecdote was, they will be resolute or firm and still achieve things for God. The Apostle Paul's repeated encouragement to others to stand firm has great authenticity because he was someone who truly knew God. We all need to think of the exalted thoughts he expresses in his letters when he writes to the churches about the person of Christ or the boldness with which he fearlessly preaches the gospel even before kings and judges or the deep contentment he demonstrates in challenging circumstances and not least the tireless energy with which he serves God in the gospel. Paul knew the Lord and his personal desire in life was to know him even better. We learn from Paul's writings in the Bible that our standing is in the Lord, in his grace, his will, in the gospel, and in the faith. God gives the Christian believer on the Lord Jesus a glorious standing, which he or she is to maintain by warring the spiritual warfare. To quote Paul from various places, we stand in grace, Romans 5, 2. We stand in the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. We stand in courage and strength, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We stand in faith, 2 Corinthians 1, 24. We stand in Christian liberty, Galatians 5, 1. We stand in Christian unity, Philippians 1, 27. We stand in the Lord, Philippians 4, 1. And we should stand perfect and complete in the will of God, Colossians 4, 12. So we're not to retreat not to yield ground, we are to hold position. Having done everything, we are to stand firm. This sorts out those who truly know their God. When opposition comes, it's those who know their God who stand firm. Around the world, believers are facing extreme times of persecution or are caught in the crosshairs of an oppressive regime or are required to hold their nerve when hostile legislation is passed targeting them. But all these things involve flesh and blood. That's not the real battlefront. Behind all the malevolent moves by humans on earth are spiritual forces directing them. This is what Paul tells us in the sixth chapter of his letter to the Ephesians. In the opening of that letter that celebrates our position in Christ, he's told us that we are really blessed and that those blessings are in the heavenly realms. But when he closes the same letter, he informs us that it's from those same heavenly realms that our opposition comes. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armour of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armour of God, 
so that you will be able to resist on the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the Spirit. Ephesians 6 from verse 10. Did you notice that no less than three times Paul says there, stand firm. We are not to attempt to go careering off on any foolish offensive. We are simply to hold our ground. C.S. Lewis says that Satan doesn't mind whether we totally ignore him or we're totally obsessed by him. Either way is fine by him because either way opens up for him to do exactly what he wants to do. Those who are totally obsessed by Satan, quite frankly, are paranoid. They see him lurking everywhere. On the other hand, those who are totally ignorant of Satan, those who simply ignore him or don't even believe he exists, either way, he does his work. F.F. Bruce says that Satan's main activity is putting obstacles in the path of the people of God to prevent the will of God from being accomplished in and through them. If some people are obsessed by Satan, they're not doing anything. They are paralysed, and so he's won. Other people who totally ignore Satan don't even recognise what he's doing, so they have no idea what's happening. One of the great mysteries of the Christian faith is that God, in his sovereign purposes, allows the enemy of souls and the enemy of his purposes to continue his work. But it's all under divine permission. So it's powerful and permitted, but real nevertheless. Those in the church of Thessalonica were facing persecution. Paul says to them, So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold on to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 One of Paul's major concerns about sending Timothy to Thessalonica was that in some way the tempter might have tempted them. Satan puts very tempting opportunities in front of us, which, if we go through with them, will deliver us to spiritual shipwreck. Yet every temptation to go wrong is also an opportunity to do right. That's why when you read in the New Testament about temptation and testing, the same Greek word is translated temptation or testing. A temptation becomes a test when instead of succumbing to the temptation, you say no and come out stronger. That's why we need to encourage each other to stand firm. The Apostle Paul says that he sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage the Thessalonians in the faith so that none would be unsettled by their trials. They were having a very difficult time. Paul, understanding their physical danger, the psychological stress, the personal anxiety, understanding that they were young believers without adequate leadership, also wanted to make sure that even with everything stacked against them, they will stand firm in the faith. Believers in the Church of God at Corinth had been infiltrated by false teachers who were teaching against bodily resurrection. Paul says to the local church, be on the alert, 
Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let's be sure to do likewise. Thanks, Brian. We must remember that we cannot rely solely on our own strength to stand firm, but lean on God for his strength. This is what the Apostle Paul had in mind when he said, when I am weak, then I am strong. That's in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Again, if you have any questions or comments, then do write in and Brian will be pleased to correspond with you. And I remind you, if I may, there's a transcript book available of the 12 study talks in this series. So why not send for it and then you'll be able to get more out of the radio talks. It's available online and either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media or if you're not able to do that and need to request a hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title A Greater Sense of God. You can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. It's been great to enjoy your company again today. Thank you. Do join us again next week for our next talk about a greater sense of God. It's called Becoming Sanctified. Till we see you next time then, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. <laughs>